For the next two weeks, we're going to be beginning just, just a new series on change. And obviously, when we get into the new year, we always think about change. There's this freshness of, of coming into a new year. We're like, hey, w- what can I change about my life? And I want us to look at this new year differently. I want us to look at what we change about our lives in, in, a, in a different way. And, and the messages are going to be leading into our missions celebration week. And um, there was a, I, I want to I give you a gift this morning to, to four special people. Um, uh, there was a book that I read in the summertime, incredible book of a, of a gentleman named Bob Goff. He is a lawyer who started this incredible ministry in Uganda to uh, boys who were unlawfully incarcerated and is doing an incredible job there, working through an orphanage, teaching these boys. Um, here, here is the thing that just struck me about this man. Incredible book. He lives his life through God's grace by not just talking about it, but by doing it. And what I loved about his ministry is this. What he does with these young boys, he not only rescues them when, when people have left them basically for dead in these jails and these prisons. Not only does he go over there and fight for them to, to release them, but he helps them to have an education, shares the love of Christ, the gospel with them. But here's the thing. I read something in the back of the book that just completely gripped my heart. And the thing that he does with these boys is this. Not only does he give to them, but he teaches these boys how to give back. And so what he does, Bob is from the Northwest and that lives in the Northwest. And what he taught these boys in Uganda is he says what they, what he does is he gives them seeds so they can grow plants and the money they make from the plants that they grow and the, and the profit they make from that, they give to a ministry in Seattle of young boys who don't have dads. I mean, he's teaching them how to give to some other kids that they don't even know. And this ministry has been flourishing and growing. And it, it just, his, Bob Goff's story is just, you'll laugh, you'll cry. It's just, it's just an amazing, amazing book of just living for God in a way that says, God, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I, I, I want you to live through me to make a difference in, in other people's lives. So what I'm going to do is I've got four books. We've got four rows. If you've never read this book before, oh, people are like, give it to me. Give it to me. Who, who would, who, anybody on this side would just say, Pastor, all right, we'll get ready. Somebody just, all right, here you go. Anybody on this side would say, Pastor, all right, you raise your hand over here. Anybody on this side over here? All right, well, let's see. Let's not ignore the back row here. How many people in the back? We'll go in the back row here. We'll go in the back row. Maybe I got to go in the back row. I know, I'll give you one. I got to go in the back row here. I'm sorry. Here, back row, back row. All right, Jamie, I saw your hand up really, really early, so I'll give you there. All right, give these guys a hand. But you guys get the book. It's not expensive. I'm sorry, I can't ignore back row people because, you know, they need Jesus. Okay. Um, let me ask you a question. We, we are in the new year already, and how many of you have already broken your New Year's resolution? Shame on you, okay? We're not even, not even 11 hours into this thing. Um, but it, it's interesting when we look at this new year, you know, we're looking at how can, how can I improve my life? What are things that I can do different? How many of you, um, you know what DIY stands for? 
How many of you are DIY people? And so how many of you have no idea what that stands for? Okay, so let me explain. D, DIY stands for do it yourself. That's when you see all the commercial on TV with Lowe's and Home Depot. I'm, I'm totally out of breath from doing that. Let me, oh, okay, I got to get jogging again. All right. Um, this is huge right now, this do it yourself. And, and so there's, there are times that I like to do it myself. So I actually own a work belt. I do. This is my work belt. So what I do is I put this on and I walk around the house, right? And I pretend like I know what I'm doing, all right? Actually, I just put some floors in, in my daughter's bedroom by myself. Give it up, all right? It was the snap together floors, okay? There's no gluing or nailing. Um, this is what I do on the job site at missions, uh, on missions construction trips. I put this belt on and I just walk around the job site and I look like I know what I'm doing, all right? I just walk around, I point, I might put some tools in here to really look like I know what I'm doing. So guys, when, you know, ladies, just when we put this on, this is our, it's actually a security belt because we want to make ourselves feel secure. So we like when you ask us to fix things because we're insecure. So like, you know, when the, when the pickle jar needs to be open, I know you ladies can do it yourself, but just ask us to do it because it makes us feel good, right? So, so this, this is my security belt right here, and I love going on mission trips. I, you know, I try to do some do-it-yourself. Do it some of you are just awesome at it, and uh, you like the satisfaction of seeing a job that you've done. And, and, and normally, if you do a job yourself, you're really super picky that you want to do it right and do it well. And so you take pride um, in, in your work. And, and, and th- there's, there's something about the new year that brings this idea of self-improvement. We all have good intentions. We want to make ourselves better. Self-improvement is not a bad thing. And improving uh, on ourselves um, is, is, is a good thing. But I want to ask you, a real probing question on this New Year's Day. But before I ask you this incredible question that I'm, I'm hoping will redirect um, your lives, I want to tell you an incredible story. I love, this is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you an incredible story of someone who made a difference. And not only made a difference, but what was, what was going on behind his life that caused him to make this huge impact in the world around him. And this is, this is the person of, of Nehemiah. I'm going to look at just for the next couple of weeks, I want to look at the life of Nehemiah. And what's interesting about Nehemiah, he lived in a very sad uh, time of Israel's history, um, a very discouraging time. Um, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes of Persia, one of the most powerful countries at the time, and what happened during this time is Israel was exiled from their country because of their backslidden state and rebellion against God. And God used these foreign countries of Assyria and Babylon and eventually Persia uh, as rulers or judges over them because of their rebellion. And Nehemiah lived during this time. But Nehemiah was in a very prominent position that he held Uh, with the king. It demanded complete trust. Nehemiah tasted and drank anything that went before the king. The nation nation of Israel, because of their disobedience, went through this period of of judgment. And so we see this first as Assyria coming in in 722 BC and, and, and taking northern Israel. And eventually in 586, Babylon would come and destroy the temple of God. And there was this prophecy 
that was given to Jeremiah that said the exiled um, time of Israel would last 70 years. And so it was during this time that Israel was going back to their homeland to rebuild the destruction that happened from the enemies. And first they went back to try to rebuild the temple, and that took a long time because there was so much opposition that was going on. There was Ezra, the priest scribe, uh, that would come and bring the word of God back uh, to Israel by reading that. And, and there was a revival for a time that broke out in Israel because of that. But at this very time, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 1. At this very time, Nehemiah gets word about what's going on with the rebuilding phase. And it's not going very well. And what Nehemiah hears is that he hears that the walls and the gates are still destroyed. They're, they're not Rebuilt, And something happens to Nehemiah when he hears this story. Something happens to him. And what's interesting about the book of Nehemiah is that there's not anything really miraculous that happens in the book. There's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no stopping of the Jordan River. It really is about people who trusted God to do something great through their lives by putting their faith in him. And that's really what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks. So if you've got your Bibles or you want to look up at the screen, let's look at, we're going to read the first chapter of Nehemiah verses 1 through 11. And let's see what happens to Nehemiah's life. Something miraculous happens in Nehemiah's heart after hearing the word that the walls were still in destruction and the gates were still in disrepair. And here is, here is Nehemiah's word. Here is his prayer. And so the word of God says, the words came to Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was at the citadel of of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And this is what they said to me. Those who survived the exile are back in the providence and are in great trouble and disgrace. And here's the reason why. The walls of Jerusalem, they are broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. And then I said, and listen to his heartbeat here and what Nehemiah journaled for us and what was going on in his life. He said, oh, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ears be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayers of your servant is praying before you day and night, your servant, the people of Israel. I confess the sins of the Israelites, including myself and my father's house that we have committed against you. Notice how Nehemiah takes responsibility, not only for the country of Israel, but for his own sins. And he realizes that this destruction is not just a physical destruction, but ultimately it's a spiritual destruction. And I want you to catch this as we go into verse 7. I want you to realize that at the core of our problems, we may look on the physical and say, why is my life such a wreck? Why are things going on in my life? If we boil it down, it's a spiritual issue that we need to get right before God. And so Nehemiah understood that this is just not a, a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing that, that needs to be settled, that needs to be made right. So he prayed and he repented before the Lord. And then verse 7, he says, We have acted very wickedly towards you, God. 
We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and the laws that you gave your servant Moses. What is Nehemiah doing there? He's owning it. He's taking responsibility for what they have done and repenting before God to allow God to truly restore them. Verse 8 says, remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are in the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to this place. I have chosen as a dwelling for whose name? For God's name. I will restore you. And so Nehemiah realizes it was our fault. We disobeyed God. We knew correctly what he stated before us and what, and what he desired of us, but we rebelled against God. Verse 10, and then your servant and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayers of this, your servant, and to the prayers of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, King Artaxerxes. So if, if we were to look at this, what would, be, what would be the thing that would jump out at you in these verses that we just read? And I would say it's something that disturbs Nehemiah. When Nehemiah hears these words, there's something that disturbs him. Nehemiah couldn't separate himself. He just didn't hear the news and say, oh, isn't that too bad? I'm all comfy and cozy in my little position here. That's really far away. It doesn't really concern my life now. That's not how Nehemiah reacted. See, Nehemiah was well-fed. He had a great job. But the moment that he heard the news, he broke down. Not just for a moment, but for days. He fasted and prayed because this news disturbed his spirit. See, what happened? Well, this news literally broke Nehemiah's heart. And he had to do something about it. And why did it break Nehemiah's heart? Because I believe Nehemiah, when he heard this word, he said, something isn't right. How many of you have ever heard news or when you hear something that goes wrong or something goes wrong in your family or, or something that's very difficult or suffering that goes on because of people's bad choices and you hear that and it grips your heart and you just say, this isn't right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And sometimes we stand back and we feel helpless because we want to do something. We want, we want there to be change. And sometimes we just feel helpless and say, God, I need you to move. And what does Nehemiah do? What's his first response? The first thing he does is pray. He looks at his own heart and then he begins to pray and say, God, give me favor as I go before this king because I have to do something about this. See, I want you to realize the importance and the symbolism of these broken walls and destroyed gates. See, the broken walls symbolize broken lives or unrestored lives. That's what it means. It literally means these broken walls. What's breaking Nehemiah's heart is it's broken lives or unrestored lives. Listen, listen, listen. That's why Nehemiah repents before the Lord. It's not just like, oh, isn't that a shame that the, we got to do something about the walls? No, there's something more going on here. Nehemiah, Nehemiah realizes that the conditions of the wall were the condition of their heart because of their rebellion against God. See, we try to fix things in our lives through man-made solutions that don't work. That don't work. 
And so what we do is we throw money at it. We say, we'll do this, do that, take steps one, two, and three. And then we wonder, why is this not working? Because we're not getting to the root and the heart of the matter. And it's a spiritual issue that we're separated from God. That's the problem. That's the issue. That's why Jesus came to deal with our spiritual brokenness because of our sin. And so what happens here? We see this brokenness in Jeremiah's heart. So let me give you some Old Testament passages here that speak of why the walls are so symbolic in the gates of their spiritual lives. Isaiah 26, 1 and 2 says this. Here's Isaiah speaking. He says, In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's what? Salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous and allow the faithful to enter. The walls are symbolic of God's salvation, of his security, of his protection. The gates of the righteous come in to God's presence to worship him in his temple. And so the walls are symbolic of the salvation and the protection and the security of the Lord. And the gates represent them coming into the city of Jerusalem to worship the Lord in his temple because that's where God's presence resided. That's where they would offer their sacrifices. That's where they would worship the Lord. Psalms 100 verse 4 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with what? With praise. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Okay, I just went back 30 years. Okay. And then he says, give thanks to him and praise his name. Once again, enter his gates with thanksgiving. You're entering into God's praise and worshiping him and his courts with praise. Look at Isaiah 60, 18 says, violence shall come no more and be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your what? Walls salvation and your gates praise. And so what what Nehemiah is seeing here is Nehemiah is traveling to Jerusalem, not only to rebuild the walls and the gates, but ultimately to rebuild the spiritual integrity of God's people. Something is wrong. What Nehemiah is going to do, he's going to rally the troops and say, this is what we are called to. We are called to rebuild walls. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. God is with us. And so what happens is Nehemiah's heart is disturbed. Nehemiah knew that Jerusalem was the center of God's worship for God's people. Now, Nehemiah might not have known what it would ultimately mean and what the ultimate outcome would be. Maybe he didn't know crystal clear what the future would be. But let me say this about Nehemiah. He answered the call of God irregardless. He may, he may not have understood what this would mean some hundreds of years later when the Son of Man would come to Jerusalem and to give his very life for us and to prove that he was God through his resurrection. He may not have understood everything clearly, but Nehemiah understood that I've got to listen to the call of God. And what we see in Nehemiah is that years before Nehemiah would come to try to rebuild the walls. There was, a, there was a man named Zerubbabel that God stirred in his heart to come and rebuild the temple. And Zerubbabel listened to God to rebuild the temple. Ezra listened to the Lord to restore the reading of God's word. And, and this is what I really want to dig into next week is, is how your change affects others' change. 
how when you answer the call, how it affects other people around you and how important that is to realize that God wants to not only work through you, but by working through you, God's going to use you to change others around you. And, and it's so easy just to look at the destruction around us and blame everything. And this is the reason why this is it. And just get so discouraged. But Nehemiah did not allow the destruction to stop him from going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was doing okay for, for himself. And he could have easily just have gotten comfortable. Nice job, nice home, bass boat, nice family. He had it all, right? But Nehemiah looked beyond himself to those who were hurting and a nation who was literally in decay and the walls and the gates symbolized their spiritual decay. See, what did Jesus teach us? One of the things that Jesus taught us is that people matter and that Jesus reached out to all people, that God loves people, that Jesus came for people, lost people, sick people, sinful people, dysfunctional people, messy people, whose lives are shattered, whose walls are crumbling. And so this is the time of the year where we'll, we'll ask the question, what needs to change in my life? Which is all good. Um, we need to, you know, we say, well, I need to lose weight. I need to get debt free. Um, I need to organize our basement. I need to stop eating at five guys three times a week. Or maybe I'll cut it down to two times a week, right? I mean, these are all good things. But let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this. And I, I hope this question changes the way you look at this new year. This is the question that if you will embrace it, can change what you do in this coming year, which can change the trajectory of our church in your own life. If you look at it in this way, and this is what changed in Nehemiah. Let me ask you, here is the big question. Are you ready? Here's the big question. Instead of asking the question, what needs to change in me? Let's ask the question, what needs to change around me? That's the question. That's the question I want you to answer. What needs to change around me? See, Nehemiah's heart broke hearing the news. And so his heart broke and he said, I need to do something about this. This isn't right. You see, when his heart was broken, the first thing he did was to go to God and pray and lay his soul just bear before him. And so what happens here is this. God broke Nehemiah's heart. And when Nehemiah's heart was broken, it caused him to do something about it. God just didn't break his heart just to make him stay in a position of guilt and condemnation. No, the reason why God broke his heart is he wanted him to feel what he's feeling. He wanted Nehemiah to say, Nehemiah, I've got to listen. I've got a purpose and a plan for my people. And it's not this. It's not for the destruction of the walls. It's not for the gates to be burned down. My purpose for my people is that they would come into my presence and know that I am their God. And that I'm going to use them to be my voice, to scream who I am to the nations around me. Have you, under, have you ever wondered why Israel is this little teeny nation smack dab in the most controversial place in our world and it's still sitting there today? Have you ever thought of that for a moment? Just think about that for a moment. It's incredible. Why? Because God is doing something. 
God is going to finish his work through that very area. And we see that through biblical prophecy. And so what God is saying to Jeremiah, listen, you may not understand everything, but I want to use you to start the change. And he breaks his heart. Nehemiah answers this call of God. And so what happens here? God breaks Nehemiah's heart. But this was, a, this was just an indicator, a precursor for what would happen 400 years later when God's only son, Jesus, would come and look over Jerusalem and begin to weep over Jerusalem and realize the waywardness of their hearts and how much they needed a good shepherd to come and lead them, to come and heal them, to come and lead them out of their brokenness. And so Jesus looks over Jerusalem and and he weeps over it. You see, our sins, at that very moment when Jesus looks over and weeps over Jerusalem, our very sins break the very heart of God. And Nehemiah's decision to listen to God was all part of God's master plan. Let me just say this. I want to be in God's plan. I want to be where God is. I, want to, I don't want to miss what God wants to do in my life. And so Nehemiah allows God to break his heart. I've got, I've, I've, got a, I've got a challenge to you today. I want you to begin to position yourself in that place where you can hear God's voice. You say, well, Pastor, how can I do that? Because I don't, I, I don't know if I'm hearing God's voice and it's frustrating to me sometimes because I want to hear God's voice. I want to have this relationship with God. But I'm frustrated sometimes because I don't know if, if, I, if I hear God's voice. Let me just say this. What breaks your heart? What things bother you? When that thing is mentioned, do you take notice of it? What things bother you? Let me just say that that's God speaking to you, saying it bothers me too. And we can do one of two things. We can ignore the voice. We can blame and we can just say, well, whatever. Or we can say, God, speak to me in this area because this isn't right. I want something to change here. And so I have a challenge for you in this, this uh, coming year. I, I spent a lot of time just uh, writing this 21-day prayer journal for you. 21 days of prayer. And it's in the back of the sanctuary. And when you walk out, you can take one of these. Basic what it is is, It's taking 21 days out of your life and just saying, God, I'm going to dedicate this 21 days for you to speak to my heart. And and what what this prayer journal is, it's just a scripture, a couple of scriptures of God speaking to your heart, scriptures that speak to your heart, speak to change. And then it's just this question of what do I need to do to change this? And what I want us to do as a church in this new coming year, I want us to get just serious about saying, God, I want, I want to hear your voice. I don't want 2017 to be the same as it was last year, the year before, the year before. I want you to speak to me. And I want you to take this prayer journal. And I, it's, 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 believe me, it's nothing deep, but it's just taking God's scriptures. And I want you to memorize these. I want these to be foundational and a bedrock to your heart that you can just call on them anytime you need to that it it begins to become foundational to your life. 
And I, I believe the reason why Nehemiah could hear the voice of God is because he was in tune with God. And when you're in tune with God and you're, and you're, and you're, and, and you're immersing yourself in God's scriptures and you're opening your life up to him to hear from him, guess what? God's going to speak to you. He's going to burden your heart about things. See, your devotion to God is proven by your devotion to others. And this is what's going to happen. When you do this, when you begin to get serious with God and you say, God, I'm, I'm going to really take this challenge. What's going to happen is, is you're going to start looking at people in a different way. And God's going to start speaking to your heart and speaking to your life. I, I, as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking back over my life. The people that just went out of their way to speak to me about the Lord. Remember those people? Some of them were kind of goofy maybe, you know. But you knew they loved Jesus, right? And there's some people that you were just like, wow, what, why are they going out of their way to keep telling me about Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus? What, what's up with these people? Leave me alone, right? And then all of a sudden you realize they care about you. They generally care about you. And I'll tell you what, that was the one thing I noticed when I came to a church that loved Jesus. It was like, man, these people really care about you. They really care about me. They, they're really, man, they're really hyped up on this Jesus. They really love Jesus. See, when God begins to grip your heart, your heart's going to be gripped for other people and God's going to begin to burden your heart about these things. You see, you have no idea what lies in the balance when you embrace God's heart of brokenness. You have no idea what lies in the balance when you embrace God's heart of brokenness. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's for the salvation of your family. Maybe it's for our church. Maybe it's for God to do something in your heart differently this year. Maybe it's for missions. Maybe it's for children or youth, for them to know about Jesus. Maybe it's for a single mom who's struggling. Maybe it's for marriages. I don't know what your burden is. But when you feel God starting to tug at your heart and when you see that, that, that something is wrong, let him speak through you. Let him speak through you and do something about it. Say, God, how can you use me to make a difference in somebody else's life? That's the big question. Let God use you to change somebody else's life life. I thank God for the people that reached out to me. I thank God for those people that made a difference in my life, that cared enough to say, hey, I want you to know uh, about Jesus. I had a really rough funeral yesterday. It's a woman who probably came to our church a couple times. Somebody reached out to her in our church. She worked with her in a restaurant, told her to come to church. I didn't know a lot about this woman, but as I was sharing and talking with some friends of hers, she had a lot of great qualities about her life and was just loving. You could just hear from her brother and others that talked about her life, but something was stirring in her own heart that she couldn't live with herself any longer. That was a hard funeral. And as I was looking out at the 200 people that for probably 99% of them I didn't know, 
as I was looking at these people, I'm like, well, the only thing I can give them is Jesus. That's all I can do because there's hope in Christ. When, when life doesn't make sense, see, when we, when we get beyond the facade of, of who we want people to think we are, and we really get to, to the point of this is who I really am, I think we're afraid because we don't want to be judged. We don't want people to look down on me. And I think it's really hard for us as um, Christians because we don't want to be judged. I talked to a girl after the service who was a pastor's daughter. And she says, I was struggling with the same thing a year ago. And she goes, I was, I was so afraid to say anything or share anything because I was afraid of what other Christians might do. Or other people might judge me for the feelings that I'm feeling. But I'm really, I was really hurting and she thanked me for the words that were shared and the hope that shared through Christ Jesus. You see, as I was standing up there and speaking to these people, I was like, God, what do I say? And God just said, just share your heart of how I can make a difference in their life when everything seems like it's falling apart. And so what I did was I shared the Christmas story. I just led to share the Christmas story of how God came into our brokenness, into the messiest of conditions of being born in a cave and a manger and just smelly, terrible conditions. But this is what I said. I said, the reason why I can relate to a Jesus that was born, I couldn't relate to a Jesus that was born in a palace. I, I, there's no way I could ever relate to that. But because Jesus was born in the lowest of conditions, he can relate to everybody. That our God, fully God and fully man, chose to be born in the most humblest, poorest conditions to symbolize that I want to come right into your mess and your dysfunction to show you the way out. And so as I began to speak, my, you know, just from my heart, I just, I just said, God, let your people know of who you really are and what you did and give them hope here today for those that are struggling. I had a lot of people that came up to me after and it was great and, and I, I, I think people were touched by God's word. But they're all around us. They're all around us. They're all around us. We have no idea the people that step foot in our church. You have no idea the people that you work with or the neighbors that you have. You have no idea. Allow God to begin to break your heart. So here, here's, here's what I, I want us to do. Um, as we go to communion today, let's start off. I love taking communion the first day of the new year. And so as we take communion today, just ask the Lord, say, God, what are things that need to change in my, in my life? What, what, are, what, what are things that, 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 that I need to do to begin to change so that I can begin to hear your voice now? So that I can be in that place where I can hear you speaking to me and open your life up to allow God to break your heart and then begin to ask him, God, what do you want me to do with this? Who are you burdening on my heart to reach and allow God to use you to make a change, not just in yourself, but to make a change for those that are around you. And I believe you will never know the lasting impact that will have on others when we answer that call. Amen. So would you bow your hearts with me as just before we take communion today and let's just pray and ask God just to break our heart today. Lord, as we come before you today and as we take communion, 
We understand what communion is. We're remembering the great sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. And Lord, I pray today, just as Nehemiah prayed, that we would first, uh, we would first lay our sins before you and, and, and our brokenness, God, and that, that, that you would heal us, that we would own the things that we need to own in our hearts and our lives first. And then, God, I pray that you would begin to burden us with the things that burden you, that you would begin to speak in our hearts, that we would begin to pray just as Nehemiah prayed for those that are around us. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy that you give us. Thank you that you want to use us to do your will on this earth. So God, use us in a different and mighty way in this new year, we pray. We thank you for this time that we're taking communion, God. We give Jesus all the glory. We thank him for everything he's did for us that we could never do for ourselves. Bind this church together, Lord, with cords that could not easily be broken. Use this body of believers to make a difference in our world around us. Thank you, God, that we're not alone, that Jesus is the one that empowers us, that Jesus is the one that gives us the boldness, that Jesus is the one that changes us, that Jesus is the one that forgives us. So we thank you for this. In his precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.